Blog Talk Radio. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! Alright, I want to welcome everyone to a special Thursday edition of the Seattle Sin Bin. Um, we... We did this uh, for one. One of the reasons we did switch to Thursday this week was because of my schedule early in the week. So, apologize for that. Um, and another reason we did it uh, was because there was supposed to be some big news happening today. And uh, Otto Rogers, my co-host, did we get any big news today? Oh no, we didn't get any news today. No, we got a ton of news Nothing? today. <laughs> So, yeah, it, it, it's been a, a new show day. I mean, it's been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we are expecting a, a minor report of some kind. And, uh, you know, we've been thinking about this report for so long, I was starting to think it was never going to happen. And, of course, yeah. we're talking about the uh, the final environmental impact statement, or FEIS, uh, for the Soto Arena proposal in Seattle. And this is, uh, of course, the proposal that Chris Hansen has proffered. And uh, Otto, uh, what, what's your take from the FEIS today? Do we have a green light or what? Yeah, what, what it looks like, I mean, essentially what I think what we kind of all thought all along was that, um, that you know, the arena wasn't going to be a big concern you know, environmentally and that it, it was going to meet all uh, the all the required requirements of SEPA. Um, now, you know, now is where the funds. Now we now we can move forward. Now, you know, we can start working on uh, getting an annex first uh, memorandum of understanding. Now we can kind of start laying that foundation. Uh, you know, a design review. You got the the master use permit. You got the street decay. You, you got all those things now that we can now kind of start counting down to and start working for it. So on the other hand, we also have now uh, we're going to get a response from the Mariners. We're going to get a response from the Port of Seattle. So now it just feels like everything is back kind of rolling in motion towards um, at yes. least getting uh, the arena uh, figure, figure, situation figured out. Right. Now, before we go any further in this convo, Otto, um, I – I feel like I dropped the ball a little bit. Uh, let me tell okay. you what's going on in this show. Obviously, we're we're talking. Uh, this show is going to be mostly dominated by FEIS talk, and um, yeah, you know, so that's what Otto and I are are, are talking about right now, and we're going to talk about it more throughout the show. Um, but of course, we have a tradition of getting really great guests on our show, and it, it's just uncanny, isn't it? I think every week we've had a really good guest uh, that well, we've been we doing try. this, and. Yeah, tonight's no different. And once once again, our friend Chris Daniels from King 5 News 
has agreed to come on and talk to us about the events of the day. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he's been a busy guy. I think he was on the plane back to Seattle uh, when the FEIS came out this morning. He was in um, he was back east covering um, that. I forget the guy's name, the, C- the Seahawk draft Clark. guy. That, I want to say Clark. Clark. He, was, he was doing yeah. an on-scene investigation of the Clark issue for the Seahawks, which honestly I don't care that much about. But uh, the the arena issue, uh, I am definitely interested in. So uh, later on, Chris Daniels is going to call in and talk about that with us. And, of course, we, we know that Chris has covered this issue like no one else has uh, ever since uh, Howard Lincoln sold the team to – uh, what's his face? And uh, he he's covered this in depth longer than any reporter in town, better than any reporter in town, and he's just done a great job and continue, continues to do so. Um, and but also we have we also have in the meantime we have a fun interview. Uh, this one I recorded earlier today. There's a guy in Vancouver named Matt Baker, and he is a talk show host for 1040 uh, TSN or TSN 1040 in Vancouver. Uh, hosts a 10 o'clock sports talk show in Vancouver. We're going to talk some puck. We're going to, I mean, it's a hockey, we're, this is a hockey podcast, and I feel like the last few weeks, uh, with all the news that's broken out of, we haven't hardly had any chance to talk about hockey. So we're going to talk about some hockey. Yeah, we're going to talk about some hockey. And, uh, you know, he's also going to talk about the potential rivalry, rivalry with Seattle down the pike. So we're going to, we're going to play him in about 10 minutes. But, Let's get back to the conversation. Um, I want to read um, a statement that Mayor Murray, Mayor Ed Murray, released earlier today after the report was released. And by the way, for those of you uh, who are listening, we're I'm reading the statement from our stream of articles at SonicsRising.com. So if if you guys want to follow this story, definitely uh, just set your web page to SonicsRising.com. And you almost don't have to go anywhere else because we're going to cover the heck out of this, uh, the entire issue. But um, SonicsRising.com has has the statement from Mayor Ed Murray, and uh, it says, The Soto Arena project has just passed another major milestone. The city has met its commitment to complete the EIS process. No major findings stand in the way of of arena construction. That is a huge statement, by the way. No, let me say that again because it sounds so good. No major findings stand in the way of arena construction. The city will continue to work with arena developers, the stadium district, and Soto interests on the impacts that were identified during the EIS process. The city can now begin looking ahead to the street vacation and other pieces of and other pieces necessary to move this pro- process forward. We're one step closer to bringing to bring NHL hockey and NBA basketball to Seattle. So, Otto, what stands out in that statement for you? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Paul, because I like to read too much into everything. Um, maybe, maybe a little hat, uh, tip of the hat to Gary Bettman. Maybe NHL's a little bit more on his mind because he's, he, you know, him and Chris Hansen and uh, Victor Coleman are trying to get a uh, a proposal, MH, uh, uh, NHL first proposal out. So maybe the NHL's a little more present on his mind, and also he had a conversation. I believe, with Gary Bettman this morning, I think. And so I think maybe that's just something that the NHL is a little bit more on his mind because how close, how he might yeah. feel that it's closer to uh, of an well, ideal he, situation than the NBA. There's no, there's no might about that, Otto. He's, he's said numerous times he, he feels like the NBA is further away, 
and that the, the right. NHL uh, is, a, is a sooner possibility. Um, so it, it is good to have him uh, pushing for this. And, you know, by the way, I, you know, Mayor, Mayor Murray has done a good job in the last few months of uh, pushing this FEIS to the finish line. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't, if we forgot that uh, there was another mayor that started all this, and that was Mike McGinn, and he was the first one that Chris Hansen worked with. He's the he's the one that got the original MOU uh, to the councils for consideration, uh, and it was a lot of work to get it to that point. So, um, Mayor Mike McGinn, if you are listening to our show, uh, thank you so much for all the work that you did. Uh, it doesn't go forgotten by uh, the fans of the Son- <clears throat> of the Sonics and the NHL. Um, so we appreciate all the work you did, and we also appreciate the work that uh, Mayor Murray has done of recent, and we we appreciate the work that King County Executive Dow Constantine has done. Uh, Sonics Rising also has a statement from Dow Constantine today. Um, so I'm going to read a, a press release from the County Executive's office, and it says. Um, King County Executive Dow Constantine today issued the following statement in regard to the City of Seattle's final environmental impact statement on the proposal to build an arena in Soto. Uh, and uh, Dow says, it's too soon to tip off or drop the puck. Now, I'm, let's stop right there. I'm a little disappointed. He started with tip off instead of drop the puck. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to read too much into it, you know, Dow should be consistent with that for us, shouldn't he? But he, right. he does start off okay. with the basketball first. So, you know, you know who can blame him, you know. But uh, it would have been nice if he would have said drop the puck first. But he says it's too soon That's to tip okay. off or drop the puck. It's too soon to tip off or drop the puck, but we're another step closer to bringing the NBA and NHL back to King County. There are still many pieces that need to fall into place, but today we've reached another important milestone. It's encouraging to see the environmental analysis that, that uh, traffic impacts can be minimized and managed with a number of identified measures to improve the circulation. Uh, also, mobility options are abundant uh, at this location with light rail, sound or commute rail, auto and pass anger ferries, uh, numerous bus lines, two interstate freeways, and a state highway. Uh, so what stands out in that statement to you, Otto? Well, it's just, I mean... You know, pretty much what you know, Murray said is, if there that they need to find major major issues that you know minor issues, but they can be worked out. We can mitigate those issues, and then with the abundance of the different transportation options that are available in Soto, it's gonna it's gonna help uh, with the traffic concerns of that area. So I'm not, you know, this I think I think this is going the way I thought it was going to. I I was confident that. Uh, the report was going to come back, and that it was going to be a, a go-ahead. So now we're just now we're just in this waiting game of uh, let's get the you know if um, I'm sorry it's been a long a long long week and a half. Let's get that. Uh, yes, it has. Let's get the, the NHL first MOU. Let's get that going because you know, like uh, uh, Mayor Murray said, he said you know it doesn't look like it's going to be the NBA. So if we're going to be able to move forward. We're going to have to get a proposal uh, that works that he can sell the council on. So that's kind of that's kind of the next step that is going to be happening uh, at the same time with all the other you know process of the arena. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'll, I'll just point out that uh, there's still those on our staff that think that the NBA could still beat the the NHL here. Uh, chief among them is our managing editor Kevin Nizgoda. Uh and so 
you know, he can he continues to hear things, and uh, I'm not going to dismiss it. I, I, you know, I, I know Kevin uh, has integrity, and he's not going to lie about this kind of thing. Um, right. Right now, the only thing right now the only thing I'm going to do is look at what we have on the surface because you know I'm tired of looking between the lines, and I'm tired of speculating what's going on behind the scenes. I, you know, I want to go on t- tangible information, and from yeah, appearances, and it, it looks like the NHL. Right. I mean, you know, from appearances. The NBA, they've made it, you know, they, they've made it publicly clear that we're at least two to three years away, if not more. Um, and then the, uh, the, the mayor, uh, Ed Murray, he's also backed that up, saying, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be the NBA. So if it's going to be a team to start the construction process, it's going to have to be the NHL. So, I mean, we yeah. pretty much have both sides saying kind of the same thing. So, Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I will add, though, um, you know, I I don't want to spend I don't want to dwell on this because um, you know it's a, it's not our situation and I don't want to uh, inject ourselves into it. But looking at the Milwaukee situation, um, that situation yeah. is far from resolved. They've got challenges ahead to get uh, to get their arena built, and they they That's do true. have some timelines that the that the NBA has given them to get it done, and yeah. they've got challenges. So. Uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. In fact, I, I would say that uh, the odds are in favor of them getting it done. Uh, just be- yeah. and the only reason I say that is because things like this tend to get be- tend to get done at the last minute when people know they have to but get it Paul, done. Uh, Paul, but it's possible. Paul, are you, sorry, Paul, Paul, are you saying that uh, some of the goal the the, the goalposts might shift? Is that what you're saying? I'm Milwaukee. saying it wouldn't surprise. Me. Yeah, I'm not. I'm saying it wouldn't surprise me if they shift. I mean. Um, now I do think that they've got to show they, they've got to show a little more they've got to show actually significantly more progress than they've shown so far for that to happen. Yeah. But I mean, you know, just learning back a couple years or a few years back to the Sacramento Kings situation, um, we know that when people get in a bind and their backs are to the wall, that's when you really find out what people are prepared to do. And that's what we don't know yet in that situation. So I'll just I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to spend too much time on that because um, I, I, I don't want to put people on Bucks watch. Are you still there? <laughs> no Bucks watch okay. yet. <laughs> no Bucks watch. We we are on Arena Watch right now. Um, exactly. And you know uh, the statement from Dow Constantine. Um, he he talked quite a bit about the transportation issues that the FEIS addressed and. You know, I I was amused because this morning, uh, uh, Chris Daniels, who we're going to talk to later, uh, retweeted a tweet retweeted um, a tweet from the Port of Seattle, and the the Port of Seattle is already saying this this report does not address all of the transportation issues that it needs to, and it hardly looked at anything. And uh, I believe uh, Taylor counted the number of pages in the report. T- I'm talking about Taylor Bartle, Sonics Rising. Taylor Bartle. Yes. Uh, he uh, he counted like 1,100 pages of transportation right. issues that were covered. So That's right. you know, the Port of Seattle continues to be a little bit of a butthead in this. Um, yeah. I'll say that. And uh, I think that's fair to say. We haven't heard from the Mariners yet, but my guess is we're going to get more of the same from them. I, if I could predict what the Mariners are going to say, they're going to take a couple days to quote-unquote examine this i.e. let it sit on their desk and not look at it. And they're going to come out and say, you know, I know we promised to support the findings of the FEIS, but yeah. FEIS is severely flawed, so uh, we can't support it. That's what they're going to say. Count on it, bank it, 
that's the Mariner way. Um, well, it's disappointing. You know, gonna, yeah, it is. And they're, the Mariners are going to regurgitate what they've regurgitated before about how it's going to impact, you know, the traffic and the parking and, and all that all that situation, even though it's been, you know, it's been, you know, it's been shown in these documents and Chris Hansen's team has, has helped try to mitigate those issues by adding different, uh, uh, you know, additional parking, parking garages, uh, adding additional uh, um, transportation fixes. So, you know, I mean, right now, the sale managers, they don't, they don't, you know, really they don't have any, any sway with me in regards to this. And plus, you know, they've looked yeah, horrible the last few weeks, so it might not even be the best time for them to be speaking because the Mariners are absolutely trapped in the bed right now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, what was the, the street that, that needs to be vacated? Was it Occidental? Whatever, I, you for, know, for this proposal, yeah, for this proposal, whatever street name it is, I can't remember, it escapes me. Um, yeah. The Mariners have had their, have had their panties in a twist. Uh, about that street vacation because they they think it's going to affect their parking garage or whatever it might be. And the FEIS made it clear that traffic on that rep- on that road is like a trickle. Hardly any yeah. vehicles ever use it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's it's just what it always was. It it's just a ruse because they don't want competition. And it, it's it disappointing. Is. It. It makes it makes it hard for me. I'll be honest with you, because I am a Mariners fan, and it's you know I find myself um, actually kind of happy when they struggle on the field, and I don't <laughs> like feeling that way because I'm a Mariners fan. But but the, the management of that team makes it really hard to get excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we could go on and on about that. Oh but uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to, we're going to play the interview that I did earlier today with Matt Baker cool. of uh, TSN 1040 in Vancouver. Uh, in the meantime, have a little listen to some hockey talk with NPR. Good morning. I'm Tiffany Trujillo Carnegie. And I'm David Pedro Gutenberg Fukushima. And thank you for joining us on NPR's Hockey Talk here on radio station WEPC. In this edition, we're going to examine some of the fascinating first round matchups in the 2015 NHL playoffs. Tiffany, would you like to begin? Thank you. The series between the New York Rangers and Pittsburgh Penguins pits the President's Trophy winners against a team that slumped to the finish line and didn't clinch a berth in the playoffs until the very last day of the season. The Rangers are heavily favored against the Penguins, who will need outstanding production from their bottom six forwards to have a chance in this series. Well said, Tiffany. Elsewhere in the Eastern Conference, the Detroit Red Wings face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, popularly shortened to Ning. Each team has several young up-and-coming players. Detroit has reached the NHL playoffs 24 consecutive seasons, which is two more seasons than the Ning have been in existence. That's shocking. I see what you did there. 
Tampa Bay's weakness could be their defensive play and how well they adapt to the rougher style that playoff hockey usually brings. Inconsistent goaltending has plagued the Red Wings of late and is an area of concern for Coach Mike Babcock. (coughs) An amusing moniker, indeed. Sorry. I was reminded in this morning's piece on All Things Considered about the history of knock-knock jokes. And it recalled this anecdote. Knock-knock. Who is there? Al. Al who? I'll be seeing you in Detroit Ning fans. Go Red Wings. Go Red Wings. Woo! (laughs) Join us after the break for a fair and balanced look at the Western Conference playoff field, including an all-Canadian matchup between the Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames, with a winner receiving a trip to the Western Conference second round, full bragging rights, and free Tim Hortons donuts Mm. for the entire NHL offseason. A tasty and worthy prize to endeavor for. We'll be right back here on NPR. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. I guess I'm talking to enemy territory right now in Seattle, right? I, I'm not. I'm not going to be banned from future appearances on this podcast. No, no, no. We 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 like <laughs> we like controversy. Uh, that that just makes good That's radio, good. right? So, how long have you been a 49er fan, and, and why? More importantly. Well, uh, for as long as I can remember, and um, you know, this story might bore you because it's probably typical. Um, you know, as a young kid, I'm 31 years old. As a young kid, uh, we were aware there was a, a team two hours south of us in Seattle, which unfortunately, um, you know, wasn't really worth cheering for. And But actually, um, what really started it from what I recall is for Christmas one year, I got a Brent Jones t-shirt. And I kind of looked at that, looked at the oh, logo, dear. started watching football and, okay, that's the team I'm going to like. And it kind of blossom from there so um all right actually missed well that missed happened. the super bowls in the 80s but was there for um as a young kid was happy when they won their most recent one over 20 years ago so that's kind of how the 
the 49ers thing originated. Okay. Well, that happens. You know, nobody's perfect. Um, exactly. But, you know, we'll, we'll still be, we'll still be friends and all that. Um, so Good. you, you host, you host sports radio in Vancouver. So I'm guessing that, uh, hockey comes up quite a bit. Um, before we get into any of the other issues, um, who do you think is going to win the Stanley cup this year? Oh man. Uh, it's a great question because I've, you know, my original prediction was Rangers-St. Louis in the final. Um, I could probably email you a copy of the bracket I filled out. You know, how, you know, when you first fill out a bracket, you know, you're all confident. You know, you've done your research. Um, i I, I got to stick to my guns. I'm still going to say the Rangers right now because I don't want to keep going back and forth. Obviously, they're in a world of hurt. But, you know, looking at the two teams out east that are winning right now, Tampa Bay and Washington, um, both safe bets, but you know, assuming my Ranger pick is dead, I'll say I'll say Anaheim. I know Chicago's looking lights out right now. Patrick Kane, um, like he never missed a beat. But you know, following the Canucks in this Pacific Division, we see a lot of the Anaheim Ducks, and mm-hmm. they've just been finding ways to get it done all year long. And so far, they're doing a pretty decent job of. Um, shedding that label of being underachievers in the playoffs. Love how their top line is playing. Uh, Getzlaff, Perry, Maroon. I think they've combined for 18 points in the playoffs. They're solid mm-hmm. on defense, and the goaltender Frederick Anderson's proving that um, you know maybe he's ready for prime time. So, assuming my original pick of the New York Rangers isn't going to come through, I really like how Anaheim has played. All right, so uh, I, I'm assuming that you're a Canucks fan. Is that accurate? Yep. Born and raised um, so in Vancouver, guys, yeah. Yeah, so you guys had kind of a disappointing end of the season. They had a chance to force game seven, but it just didn't happen. What happened to them in that series? Well, um, I, I think the underlying theme um, <laughs> is the Canucks. And, you know, I had some concerns about this going into the series with Calgary. The Canucks were relying too much on their older veterans. And the unfortunate thing was they ran into a team like Calgary, like they played, that, you know, was thriving off youth and speed. And, you know, you look at this Canucks roster, the way it's constructed right now, I don't think it's a coincidence that they've only won, what, three of their last 17 playoff games, dating back to Game Mm -hmm. 6 of the 2011 Stanley Cup Final in Boston. So, um, you know, people will criticize the top line, Daniel and Henrik Sedin. You know, ice time was a big issue. A lot of people already turning on head coach Willie Desjardins. But the bottom line is, this was a team that was um, relying too much on an older veteran core. And they kind of got it handed to them by a team that, you know, did the right thing. You know, sacrificed short-term, ga- short-term uh, gain for, you know, long-term pain, whatever the saying is. Um, I mean, they were willing to kind of do a bit of a rebuild on the fly, miss the playoffs six straight years, trade their captain, their franchise player, Jerome McGinley. And, you know, again, other than the production from the top line, the Canucks' bottom nine forwards were, you know, in large effect, invisible throughout the series. Calgary had more depth. Mm -hmm. Calgary's defense were speedier, more mobile, and the Flames got better goaltending. So, you know, it's two or three elements being the reason why the Canucks were not able to come through and force a game seven, perhaps win that series. But, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this core is old. It's a little stale, like John Tortorella said before he got fired last year. And um, I think we need to change a couple things. 
Okay. So you, you kind of touched on what I was going to ask you about there. The Sedin brothers are both are both in their mid-30s, and I I believe Kevin Bieksa is also in his mid-30s. How much longer can they, can those guys uh, play productively? And what, what does Vancouver need to start doing to build a core for the future? Well, I'll start with the Sedins. I think they have, they've got a few years left. I mean, you know, these guys are the they're the consummate pros when it comes to staying in shape, training hard in the off season, and you know Daniel Sedin's in the top ten NHL scoring again this year. I mean, last year it seemed like they had a bit of a regression because of the injuries both of them suffered. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Henrik, uh, you know, you remember broke his rib, wound up missing the Olympics. Daniel Sedin had a couple ailments he was playing through as well. Um, I'm not worried about these two players. I mean, they're going to be relied on to lead this team offensively for at least the next couple of years. But the main issue here is eventually you're going to have to find someone to replace them on the top line. Uh, last couple of years, by all accounts, they've done an okay job drafting. I mean, Bo Horvat proved he's ready to play this year, but is he ready to step in and be a first-line center? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Vertanen, the local kid from Abbotsford, uh, had a solid year with the Calgary Hitmen in the Western Hockey League. You know, he's um, he, he, you have to view him as one of the top prospects in the organization. You know, maybe there's going to be some pressure on him to make the team next year, but at the same time, they're not going to rush these young players in just for the sake of getting younger. Now, as far as um, as far as what they can do now to get someone to help them now, because they've kind of backed themselves into a corner here. They say they want to be competitive and make the playoffs every year. Well, you know, you kind of got a taste of what you run into come playoff time when they lost uh, the series to Calgary. So, you know, I I think Jim Benning, the GM, may have to go out and find a top six forward, maybe a suitable second-line center. I mean, the price tag may be a little high, but, you know, they, they want to back up their word that they're going to be competitive while they may need someone to step in there and play right now because Nick Benino was just too inconsistent playing on the second line, big piece of the Ryan Kessler trade. And you know what happens? A guy gets traded for Ryan Kessler. He's automatically expected to replace his production. So um, you need at least one more player to play on the second, third line. And as far as defense goes, you talk about BX. I mean, as a third-pairing guy, I think he's fine playing along Lucas Spiza because – you know, the Canucks kind of got heat for giving Spiza that contract extension and not waiting until after the playoffs. But one thing I like about him is that he's willing to play, pay the price. He's willing to go to the dirty areas, and you know, he doesn't shy away from it. And gives you a bit of offense from the blue line as well. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, the problem with moving Kevin BX is, you probably know, no trade clause. The famous quote he had last year was, you know, I'm going down with the ship. You know, I, I'm I'm not so sure he'd uh, be willing to just pack up and move right now at this stage of his career. So, you know, uh, you hope Lucas Spiza continues to get better. You hope Alex Edler, Chris Tanev build off their um, solid season. You know, the playoffs a bit dodgy for both of those guys. But, you know, when you look at guys like Tanev and Spiza, there's upside there. These guys are just young. I mean, typically it takes a defenseman, you know, a few years to develop fully into the type of players uh, that they have to be at this level so as far as uh, the defense goes um you know i'm not sure what they're going to be able to do right now to to address this and have a quick fix they're going to have to rely on what they have right um so i was watching i didn't get to watch all the games against calgary but i i think i was watching the end of game two and there was a huge brawl and uh 
you know, I'm kind of a new convert to hockey, so I haven't really followed the rivalries all that much. But it seems like Vancouver and Calgary are pretty bitter rivals. Um, how much more do you think um, if if we get a team in Seattle, do you think the rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle uh, would eventually exceed the rivalry that you have with Calgary or even Edmonton? Well, it's tough to say because rivalries here are built in the playoffs. You mentioned the Canucks Flames, and you're bang on. A big reason that they're such bitter rivals is because there's playoff history. I mean, uh, 1989, 1994, 2004, they met in the first round, and each time the winner went on to the Stanley Cup final. Um, there was a couple other meetings, uh, 1982, I should say, as well, that happened, and there was a couple other meetings in the 80s. Um, so as far as Vancouver, Seattle, yeah, initially, if they get a team, assuming it might happen here in a couple of years, um, mm -hmm. you know, th there'll be kind of a glitz and glamour to it at first, you know, geographically, but, you know, we assume it's going to be an expansion team, so it might take a few years for Seattle to get competitive. I think absolutely. I mean, it's not something hockey fans here are used to, be able to hop in their car, drive two hours, and see their team play on the road. You know, the thing about Calgary right. is it is, the, it is the closest team to Vancouver, but you have to get on a plane and fly for an hour and 15 minutes. Um, you know, I know some people actually took an RV to the games in Calgary from here. I mean, but yeah, that's, that's a 13, 14-hour drive. So, yeah, initially, um, I think it'll be fun. But a big test um, with rivalries is they're built in the playoffs. You mentioned Edmonton. The Canucks and uh -huh. Oilers... There's a bit of a, you know, it's it's mainly between the fan bases, right? But they've not met in the playoffs since 1992. I think they've only met one other time before that. So um, it, rivalries are built in the playoffs. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. 2003, the Canucks played a pretty heated, emotional series with Minnesota in the second round, lost in seven games. And there was a hate factor there. And I remember people saying, oh, yeah, this is the, this is the Canucks' next great rival. This is going to be great. You know, they're in the same division, and they're they're going to meet all these years, and, you know, this is really going to grow. Well, they haven't met in the playoffs since. So um, I'm looking forward to the possibility of it in Seattle. I, I think it's going to happen. I've been on record as saying that um, there's kind of been smoke and fire for, for yeah. too long here. Clearly there's people down there who have the wherewithal to build an arena, and yeah, yeah I, I think it would. And be now great. we have we have multiple arena scenarios going on down here, and we we actually got a competition as for which group can get the arena done first. So uh, I think most of us down here believe it's going to happen. Um, now, one of the things that uh, people have said down here, we we talked about down here with the idea of bringing the NHL. One of the things is that uh, you know the rivalry with, with Vancouver would be fun, but. You know, some people have also, have also mentioned to me that uh, in Vancouver, sometimes it's hard to get tickets to a Canucks game. And there may, be, uh, there may be people in Vancouver that may travel down to Seattle to watch a game, even if it's not, even if it's not the Canucks playing. Do you think uh, some of that would happen? Yeah, I mean, and something to keep in mind, too, is the Canucks fan base up here in the lower mainland and across the province is pretty broad. They're the Vancouver Canucks, mm -hmm. but in reality, they're the province's team. You know, people come from all parts of BC, Vancouver Island, and yeah, you mentioned the people that would come to Seattle even for the non-Canuck games. Yeah, there's a lot of hockey fans kind of south <clears throat> of the city here in uh, Surrey, White Rock, 
where the crossing the border is not nearly an issue for some other people. Yeah, I can see that. And um, you know, as for the ticket situation, well, this year, you know, the sellout streak came to an end. There were still playoff tickets available on game day for the games against Calgary, and a lot of that has to do with what I talked about earlier with the core of this team kind of being old and stale. There's there's been a bit of an apathy. This is kind of a front running town. A lot like Seattle mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, it forgive is, me if I is. say that, yeah. but that's um no, so you're you know you're Yeah, this town this town supports a winner. You have one bad year last year and all of a sudden there's tickets available, there's advertisements for season ticket packages and eleven game ice packs, fifteen game plans and that was unheard of when this team was knocking on the door for a Stanley Cup three, four years ago. So, um, and, and I guess when the Canucks had that maxed out ticket base, you, you heard stories of people even, you know, you could drive down to Bellingham, fly down to Phoenix, LA, Anaheim, San Jose, take in a road game and, you know, pay a lot less for tickets if you were able to just go to a game here. So, yeah, the Canucks right. fan base has proven that it can travel. I mean, you know, there was games, you know, in I, I was at a Canuck playoff game in LA in 2012 and, um, the Vancouver contingent was loud. It was visible. Same if you go see them in Anaheim and this couple of those other areas I just mentioned. So, yeah, I think at first, especially, there will be an appetite for people to drive down to Seattle, uh, whether the Canucks are playing or not. Okay. Well, um, we're hoping it happens. And, we're, you know, I, I actually believe that, uh, you know, if things unfold the way uh, we're hoping, maybe the NHL will at least – express an interest in doing it more formally uh, this September or November. And hopefully within a few years, we'll have a team and fun. I mean, um, I, I just know that the, in basketball, the rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle used to be fun and between Portland and Seattle, it's fun to have uh, a local rival. And uh, I just hope it happens. And um, Matt, I want to thank you for joining us and I, I hope you join us again sometime. Yeah, anytime. And uh, just very quickly in closing, uh, you know, one more note on expansion I just thought of is uh, I know Gary Bettman said recently there's no plans to expand, but, he, you know, he's not fooling anybody. This Vegas thing, no, it's no. been on the radar for a while. They're building the arena in Vegas and <clears throat> something else. They're not going to make revenue every year by holding six or seven outdoor games like they did last year. What's the other key to revenue? Oh, let's charge Vegas, Seattle, Quebec, whoever. Let's charge these cities 250 million US just for an expansion fee. There, there's more hockey-related revenue right there. So, there's uh, incentives on all fronts here for expansion. Multiply that by two. Batman recently said that that what it was? Yeah, yeah. If they expand, 500 million uh, would be the minimum. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I knew so, I knew it was some outrageous yeah, he, number thing. Yeah, it, it's you know two years ago, if someone would have told me 500 million to expand to the NHL, uh, I would have told them they were nuts. Uh, that that would have been an NBA fee. But now, uh, in fact, I don't even think that would have been an NBA fee, fee two years ago. But now everything's just gone nuts, and it, it that's what the fee is going to be. And there must be people in Seattle willing to pay it because we keep having movement on the arena down here and. You know, I, yeah, you know, and, and like again, yeah, and you know, back to the example I used of um, of all the outdoor games last year. People saying, "Oh, this is stupid. Why?" I'm like, "Well, don't complain about it. I mean, this is hockey-related revenue. You know, this is going to be a big reason the salary cap continues to rise every year. And 
Um, you know, if, if they could get a cool $1 billion for two expansion franchises, in the long run, that'll be good for all 30, or I guess it would be all 32 franchises um, at that point. So, um, yeah. you know, you connect you all think, the dots. I think Quebec the is going to back in. I think Quebec is going to get back in the league. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting. Quebec that's wants, wants back in. How are they going to get back in? Yeah, that's an interesting one there. I mean, um, and I guess this is where Vegas and Seattle have the upper hand, although the, the new arena in Quebec is going to be ready soon. Um, you know, 16 teams in the East, 14 in the West. You expand two in the West, then it's 16 and 16. That's an easy solution right there. Um, but if you if you expand to Vegas and Quebec or Seattle and Quebec, you know, do you convince uh, Detroit or Columbus to move back to the West and then you have one expanded out there? And Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I can still see a team like Florida relocating. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, every year after year after year, I mean, we talk about how winning cures everything and the Panthers haven't done a lot of winning. They have new ownership that uh, seems to be willing to spend money. But, you know, the league has got to be getting tired of seeing 6,000 fans in Florida every night. I mean, that's a situation there that eventually they're going to have to address if the Panthers don't start making the playoffs and winning hockey games. So I wouldn't rule a relocation out. And, um, yeah, Florida would be the team I'd choose right now. You know, (laughs) you you think of these teams in terms of right now, but three, four years down the road, you don't know what the outlook's going to be like. And, you know, still very much a possibility Quebec could uh, get a team back along with the two cities out west here. Okay. Well, Matt Baker of 1040 in Vancouver, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, you know... Let's let's do this again in the future. This was fun. Yeah, anytime, anytime. Always love talking to um, everyone, no matter where they are in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm sure as as this story continues to develop, uh, happy to come on. That was Matt Baker of 1040 Vancouver. And um, when we come back in a couple minutes, Otto and I are going to talk this whole thing over. So thanks to Matt, and we'll talk to you guys on the other side. If a premium beer is to please a lot of people, it has to be good. It has to know the way to natural ingredients. What prime quality hops to seek out? What first-rate grains to choose? It must draw upon the Pacific Northwest's pure mountain water. But above all else, it must deliver fine taste. Today, one beer does it all. Mountain Fresh Rainier, a brew apart. Welcome back to NPR's Hockey Talk. I'm Tiffany Taylor-Taylor. And I'm David Navid Hasid. The upcoming playoff matchup between the Nashville Predators and the Chicago Blackhawks should be an interesting series, to say the least. Both teams have been playing some mediocre hockey of late, but both also have the potential to be playoff powerhouses. Well, you know what they say about potential, David. 
the potential energy as a function of a state a system is in and is defined relative to that for a particular state, which may not always be a real state in that it may also be a limit, such as with the distances between all bodies tending to infinity, such as in the case of inverse square law forces? Well, I was thinking more of Winston Churchill's well-known quote that continuous effort, not strength nor intelligence, is the key to unlocking potential. Mm. But I'm sure your quote also applies to the often controversial lineup decisions of Blackhawks coach Joel Kenneville. Thank you, and well spotted. That was actually the exact inference I intended. Moving on to the other all-Canadian matchup, the Ottawa Senators were rewarded for their amazing late-season surge towards the playoffs of Lord Stanley's Cup with what might be the best possible matchup for them in the first round. Agreed. The Senators won their past three contests against the Montreal Canadiens by a combined score of 13-5, to which I believe technically qualifies under NHL rules as a complete ass-kicking. I believe it would have to be 15-5 to to be considered a true... Three-game ass-kicking. If you recall, the ass-kicking rule was amended in 09 after the Detroit Red Wings the ever-loving out of the Columbia's Blue Jackets four games to nothing. Following that debacle, the threshold to be a true ass-kicking was raised slightly by the NHL's competition committee. Well, f*** me, you're right. Well... Either way, 13 to 5 or 15 to 5, that is some serious ass kicking, and Montreal will have their work cut out for them. The pairing of Piquet Subban and Andre Markov will have to come out ahead in the possession game for Montreal to win this one. 27 year old goalie Andrew the Hamburglar Hammond has been the story of the year for the Senators and they hope that it is his play in the net will lead them to the next level. After the break, we'll examine the playoff series between the Capitals and the Islanders, two teams that haven't met in the playoffs since the 1993 Patrick Division semifinals. For those of our younger listeners, the top song this month in 1993 was If I Had No Loot by Tony Tonai Tonay. This is Hockey Talk, broadcasting from station WEPC on NPR. No, I don't think I've ever heard this one. Which one is Tony? The Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains. 
$45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but, but screen printed in Canada. Canada. The Vancouver Canucks team store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can afford this crap. Folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey. Here we go. Drop that puck. 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 Take a seat because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a college graduate. We're all Eastern, weren't you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. Uh-huh. All right. I want to welcome everyone back to the Sin Bin. And uh, my co-host, Otto Rogers, is with me again. And we are any minute now. Chris Daniels is going to call in for us. Uh, but, Otto, what did you think of uh, what Matt Baker had to say? Oh, Matt, you know, Matt was a great guest. Uh, I'd like to break down uh, of kind of why the, the Canucks, um, lost against the Flames and how the Flames are younger. They're just faster and bigger. I like his take on the the potential for the kind of I-5 rivalry between Vancouver and Seattle, but that to really build that rivalry, you know, you, know, right. you have to have hey, a Otto, great playoff. Okay. Otto, I need, to, I need to interrupt you because uh, we've got a busy man right. here on the line. Uh, so okay. uh, I'll talk to you in just a little bit. Um, but uh, joining us now on the show is uh, King Five reporter Chris Daniels. And, um, you know, we brought Chris on to talk about the weather today. Chris, how's the weather? Oh, did in you know? Because it's I sunny know. outside. I can handle that, it's too. It's sunny outside? Okay. And, and stop me if I'm wrong, but you were on a plane this morning, were you not? So this has been uh, a crazy day. I'm happy to tell you, I'll, I'll lift up the curtain on how this uh, all works. Uh, I was, I started my day in Ohio uh, at uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning Seattle time. And uh, obviously I knew the EIS was going to drop and uh, was on the first flight out of Ohio to be back uh, for all of the day's events. And was on a plane in Cleveland, and it was delayed for an hour. And then when it went to take off, uh, there was a seagull that flew into one of the engines uh, as I was on the plane uh, about to take (laughs) off. So they had to bring it back to the gate and cancel the flight. And I said, well, here goes my entire day. Uh, Set up to talk with the mayor about everything. And uh, so we had to uh, kind of... uh, uh, scramble uh, back here in Seattle to fill my role while I was uh, still 
on a plane reviewing documents and uh, tweeting and writing stories for uh, our website. Uh, so I was doing all of that while I was traveling back to Seattle and then landed about 2.30, went off, interviewed Dow Constantine, went off, interviewed the Port of Seattle commissioner, got back to the station, we put it all on TV, and we call that just one day in the life. Yikes. Yikes. A seagull yeah. through the engine. That's yes. priceless. Yeah. All right. Um, so we we got the report we've been waiting for. And how long have we been waiting for this? Two and a half years, something like that? Two and, um, and a half years. Which, yeah, two and a half years. So uh, I, I gather that the news is overall good. What, what's the What's the overall impression that you took from this document today? Well, I think Chris Hansen and uh, Ed Murray have made it clear they think this is uh, – uh, good news and shows there's no major impediment to moving forward uh, with the arena project, uh, given a, a couple of minor issues. And, and one of those issues uh, it actually came up within this uh, document. I'm talking about specifically Occidental. And, and I want to preface this by saying that uh, nobody who is covering this story today or is attached to it or is a political figure uh, or is an opponent uh, of the project or a proponent of the project. No, nobody can say they've read all 1,600 pages today, so there's a lot of information here. Uh, I, I've read a right. couple of hundred pages off the top, but I can tell you that uh, it was interesting to see the traffic analysis uh, done here within this project uh, or within this report by DPD, uh, specifically about Occidental, uh, because there's been a, a lot of discussion from the Port of Seattle, from the Mariners, uh, that that is a vital street uh, in the, the street that runs parallel to First uh, that that Chris Hansen would like to eliminate to build the arena, uh, and the ar argument has been made that truck traffic uh, uses that road and and freight uses that road. And what the FEIS said uh, when you look at this, and this is in the first section of it, uh, that uh, they they looked at um, they studied the traffic and and found that there were zero to ten trucks that used it every hour, uh, and and that they studied. Uh, what it would look like if it was there with no arena and what it would look like with an arena. And the difference was negligible, meaning that mm -hmm. uh, there isn't a lot of traffic on that road, according to DPD. Did you say zero, uh, did you say zero to ten an hour? Zero to ten trucks an hour. It's, it's right there in uh, kind of the breakdown uh, with all the boxes uh, of all the different subjects. Um and, and that kind of stood out to me because that is that's one of the the remaining issues here, and, and what DPD has laid out uh, at least in the, the first couple hundred pages is that it's not much of an issue there. Uh, there there is a concern with uh, traffic uh, perhaps on first, and, and I think that's always been a concern is how you manage traffic on first, uh, and that traffic. Uh, Volumes would go up, but as far as Occidental is concerned, uh, it, it doesn't look to be that big of an issue. So that's going to play into any sort of street vacation or elimination uh, vote that may happen this summer. So that was one of the things that popped out. And, and there's so much about traffic and freight. There is uh, an appendix uh, to the uh, the main EIS document just about freight and transportation. That uh, you know, I don't think anybody's had a chance to dive into uh, today. Uh, but you right. know, one of the things that stood out in, in the initial summary was that 
the city looked at Seattle Center, looked at Key Arena, looked at Memorial Stadium, and in many cases the, the, the traffic issues would be worse there uh, by their account than down in Soto. Uh, and I think that was one thing um, that stood out as well for, for people who have uh, brought up the idea of renovating Key Arena uh, and making that the location for a new arena, that there's been so much buildup in that area uh, in South Lake Union as well that it has become a congested area in Lower Queen Anne, and uh, that sounds like it's not an option for the city going forward. So that's uh, that was one of the other takeaways, I thought, um, just reading through the, the first couple yeah. hundred pages of the EIS. So I've only skimmed the report just a little bit because uh, uh, of my other job today. But uh, you're, you're saying that the uh, the report focuses very he- focuses very heavily on traffic concerns, but that that can't be. It can't possibly be doing that because earlier today you retweeted something from the port that said that the report didn't address traffic. Uh, yes, I I talked to the Port of Seattle uh, Commissioner Stephanie Bowman who acknowledged that her staff was still going through the report, but that she did not feel that it adequately addressed traffic. And and I can tell you that there's a lot of traffic discussion uh, in this document. Um, you know, what uh, Bowman said is, despite what it may say about Occidental, uh, the Port of Seattle has a different opinion here uh, and believes it is a vital role. And, you know, I, I asked her that question. She said, I don't know what time of day they're down there studying it, but I can tell you, uh, this is Bowman, that it, it is a, a, a roadway that's important to the port. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. what we heard from the port today, though, is perhaps their next step forward. And uh, they are uh, offering to pay for a, f- a feasibility study of other locations in King County and, and said that, uh, you know, if, if this was the only location for a new sports arena, that's one thing. But she says, we know there are other locations for a sports arena. And I, of course, said Tuck Willow. And she said, Tuck Willow would be a, a great location. So you can see the strategy here from the Port of Seattle is um, going to be focused on a feasibility study and providing other options. Uh, the Mariners uh, declined comment on this today. They took the route of they wanted to go through the document first uh, before uh, commenting on it, um, and so they uh, politely uh, declined to make any sort of comment today. But uh, at least from the port, uh, we're we're seeing the same argument uh, that um, they believe uh, that the the arena would should be located in another location. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, we we had statements from Mayor Murray today. We had statements from Dow Constantine today, and both of them were very happy. And of course, we had a statement from from Chris Hansen, and he's obviously happy to get this behind him. And uh, you know, one of the common themes uh, in the statements and in some various tweets I saw throughout the day is the potential for an NHL first modification. Chris Hansen expressed willingness to do it as long as it made sense. Um, where do you think we stand with that? Well, uh, yeah, I, I talked to Dow Constantine uh, today as well. Uh, he was my first stop after I got off the plane, and uh, he he believes that it shows that, uh, that the FEIS shows that uh, traffic can be mitigated uh, down in Soto and uh, all the different transit options, and right away said uh, it would be great to get the NHL here, and that NHL first is viable. 
uh, and that was one of the first things he said. I, I think what you're seeing really more from Ed Murray is trying to push the puck down the ice uh, and, and trying to, in a way, broker a deal between Chris Hansen and Victor Coleman, uh, because the NBA has uh, repeatedly said they are not coming to Seattle anytime soon. Uh, and I think uh, I think Murray is honestly saying that he, he believes that's the case. And with an MOU expiring in 2017, uh, the option going forward is with the NHL first. And he's trying to get uh, a deal consummated between the two sides. And you saw what Victor Coleman said just about a week ago. He's kind of walked back from that, said he's still trying to work on it. Uh, Hansen alluded to it today, or the Hansen group, I should say, uh, alluded to it today that they're uh, trying to work out something uh, as well on an NHL first. So, you know, what that deal looks like, uh, I, I don't know. But uh, if if that could get consummated as well in the next few months, uh, you've got with a street vacation and a design vote up as well. If you can wrap all of that up in a few months, uh, you make a strong case to the NHL, knowing that uh, the master use permit is is not done, and knowing there's probably going to be a legal challenge. But uh, if you have uh, if you have those things tied up, that that makes a strong case to the NHL. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned what you reported on last week, which was there there was a rift, or it seemed like there was a rift between Chris Hansen and Victor Coleman. And and yes, Victor Coleman did back down from that. Uh, and uh, they, it sounds like uh, the mayor is trying to facilitate discussions between the two. Uh, is it possible that Coleman uh, may have done a little bit of damage to the relationship? And is it possible that Mr. Hansen could look elsewhere for NHL investors at this point? Uh, I think that's always possible, but uh, it's, you know, part of what Coleman w- was uh, was doing last week is is responding to what's been going on in Tukwila, uh, and that uh, there's been more concrete uh, information that's come up about what's going on in, in Tukwila, and you know, he he was making the case that uh, the NHL would never move to Tukwila or go to Tukwila because it's a suburban arena. And also uh, that he's been frustrated uh, with the, the process with Hanson and not being able to come together on any sort of uh, agreement after their non-binding agreement several months ago, uh, and that uh, he he was looking at a plan B, although it sounded like that was uh, very preliminary in nature. Uh, it, mm-hmm. After after that story was published, it sounds like uh, <laughs> it sounds like he uh, he got some heat. Um, and uh, has kind of backed down on that and said he's still trying to work uh, with Chris Hansen. And he, he said all along, and he said it to me uh, the day of that story, that he, he believes that Soto is the best location uh, for an arena in the Puget Sound area, and that that was his top priority. Uh, but obviously he was he was looking at plan B and plan C, but uh, he, he's been steadfast all along that he – he believes Soto is the best location for an arena, and, and apparently the FEIS uh, says that as well today. Right. All right, so um, apparently uh, the mayor got on the phone with uh, Commissioner Bettman today, and uh, Commissioner Bettman, seemed, it seems that Bettman expressed uh, his uh, favorability to Soto as a location. What did you think of what uh, Marie had to say about Bettman today? Well, it's interesting that Murray uh, said he, he called uh, the NHL commissioner right away. I think that tells you also uh, uh, where he thinks this uh, project is heading. And uh, he, Murray knows that, that Tukwila uh, city officials have reached out to the NHL as well. So 
um, and Bellevue likely as well. Uh, so Murray knows what's at stake here and uh, wants to put the best foot forward. It was interesting to hear him say that, that Bettman is committed to Seattle because uh, I, I, I haven't heard any sort of firm commitment yet. We, we know how interested they are. Uh, and coming yeah. here uh, as a league, but uh, no, it was it was interesting that he he shared that conversation. The NHL uh, didn't want to say anything uh, officially today uh, about what they thought uh, with this, and I, I'm sure they're waiting also to see if a deal can be struck on a on an NHL, NHL first uh, scenario. Yeah. Um, so my co-host has been waiting patiently on the line. Otto, did you have anything you wanted to ask, Chris? Yeah. Hi, Chris. Uh, it's nice to, Hi, Otto. to talk to you. How are you? Good, doing great. Uh, it's been a crazy day. I um, actually had a question. It, it came from one of our users on Sonics Rising. Um, there, were, there was a question. There was a quote from Murray uh, that Jeff Baker uh, tweeted, and it says, uh, "And I quote: If the current parties that want the arena in Soto can't make that happen, then I will begin to look at other arrangements." Do you have any uh, thought or idea what the Ed Murray could be talking about with that? Uh, I, I hate to parse words since I, I wasn't in the room for that. So uh, okay, it, it's it, there's a, a lot of ways you can uh, or a lot of a lot of different angles you can uh, draw from from that statement. But I, I hate to. Uh, I hate to make any sort of generalization because I was not in the right. room for that, but uh, okay. I, I can tell you one thing that it, it'd be it'd be a hard sell to talk about any sort of different financial picture involving more public financing, and uh, the way it gets sold to a council is less public financing, and that's I think been one of the hangups in the in the whole negotiations. So right. what his plan B could be, uh, I don't know. But again, I, I hate to uh, I hate to make any sort of generalization since I wasn't in the room to hear that. That's fair. That's all I had. Okay, thanks, Otto. Um, so, Chris, we've got. Um, you know, I think uh, the mayor referred to this as a green light. I think maybe Dow referred to this as a green light, and I think Chris Hansen referred to this as a green light. So. Um, from what you understand, are, are are these guys now free to actually pursue teams, and or is there anything that the the leagues might be looking for in addition to the FEIS at this point? Well, I, I think they they've been free to pursue teams in the past. They pursued the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think what what this uh, what this document, this body of work, shows is all the research that's been done on this site and. Uh, there wasn't any sort of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, uh, smoking gun, any sort of piece of information that could doom uh, the project, like uh, the soil or uh, any sort of roadway. Uh, it, you know, one thing that I should point out that was interesting is uh, part of the mitigation was that if Hanson moved forward, he would have to uh, contribute to the Lander Street overpass project that we've talked about before. Uh, that's also on Murray's agenda with his uh, levy this fall, uh, but uh, you know the there there wasn't any sort of big item uh, that that stood out, and you know that's good news for Hanson and, and for his group. Um, it, it, they can they can go to the NBA or the NHL and say, hey, it's it's passed its environmental review uh, for the most part, and we just have these uh, couple of minor things going forward. Uh, and uh, we're in pretty good shape. 
uh, it, you know, is what he can say uh, once he got past yeah. this point. So um, yeah. I, I think they've been free to talk to uh, about teams all along. You know, one one scenario, uh, and this is just pure. Um, this is just pure speculation on my part, but it, you know, if you have a competing arena bid in, in another city that's also moving along in Tukwila, uh and say, uh, you know, by September it's a little bit more concrete, and you see if the financial financial picture works for it, and you see where the city of Tukwila is, you see where the environmental review is uh, there, and, and in Seattle you have already gone past. Uh, uh, the design review and the street vacation and a, a vote by the council. You, you have a couple of projects that are down the road and a couple of interested NHL owners, and you go to the NHL and say, which one do you like most? Uh, that, mm-hmm. That's one scenario that I've seen, uh, you know, that I, that's kind of played out in my mind is maybe where this is all heading, but that's just uh, speculation on my end. But, uh, boy, it, it gives us something to talk about, right? It, it does. Hey, could there be a scenario where we have an arena in Tukwila and in Soto? I mean, could could it turn out that Chris Hansen lands an NBA team and uh, Ray Bartoszek lands an NHL team, and we actually build two arenas? Could that could that happen? Uh, I think that's a scenario. I I, I would tell you that with so many venues uh, in the area, meaning small amphitheaters and arenas and uh, a large one down the road that's Comodome and this competition for concert dollars that um, it's it's stretched thin. I mean, Kent is losing money on their arena and Everett's been having problems the last couple of years. To think about building two brand-new state-of-the-art arenas in town and try to come up with a uh, business plan that works for that uh, would seem to be, it, it seems a little far-fetched. Uh, maybe somebody does have that business plan uh, to, to do something like that, but to have two major arenas 10 miles away from each other and, and try to make money with just one team. I, I know people have pointed out Minneapolis-St. Paul uh, with the Timberwolves and with the Wild and you know that's one that's one uh, place where that's that's worked. Although the Timberwolves have to get more money from the city and are getting more money from the city to upgrade their arena. So, uh, boy, it just it just seems like that's a a tall order uh, to make that work um, with a single tenant and another single tenant just ten miles away. But I could be wrong on that. Uh, you know what the, the city of Seattle has at stake too here is is Key Arena. And if something gets built uh, in, in Tukwila and doesn't get built in Seattle, uh, Key Arena and Seattle Center is in trouble. Right. All right. So um, we, we've got pretty well a green light to go in Soto. We've got a competing arena uh, trying to happen in, in Tukwila and probably going to hear from Bellevue in the near future, I would guess. Um, but back to Soto, um, you know, is there – by all accounts, it seems like we're waiting until January, February for a master use permit. Is there anything construction-wise uh, that Hansen could begin on without getting that master use permit, or does he have to wait for that to do anything? That's a good question. I don't have a direct answer to um, in, in terms of uh, any sort of demo work or anything. I I, I, would, I want to say that it would... Uh, it would have to wait until after the master use permit is filed, but I, I don't have the exact answer for you on that one. Okay. All right. Well, Chris, I know uh, you're probably tired and you've been a, have a had a hectic day, so I want to thank you for coming on. I'm going to let you go. I'm just going to give you one 
uh, word of advice, uh, try not to kill any seagulls on the way home. <laughs> I think I can handle that one. I'm going to stay on the ground. All right. Uh, thanks, Chris. Have a good night. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Otto. That was uh, King Five reporter Chris Daniels. Uh, we're going to take another short break, and when we come back, Otto and I are going to wrap this whole thing up. You know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the Thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames 20 feet out of their mouth, you can feel the warmth fall over you. Can you feel? That's hockey love. The hockey love. Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrong he has done, that is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey, little kids playing hockey in their little thrashers uniforms. They try so hard, and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about hockey love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. (laughs) All right. The world watched the impossible dream come true. Volkswagen salutes the 1980 USA gold medal hockey team. Here in their new Volkswagen Vanagon, the greatest hockey team in the world. Get your free team photo and see the full line of Volkswagens at your local Volkswagen dealers. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin. With your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him... Paul Rogers! All right, I want to welcome everyone back to the final segment of tonight's episode of the Seattle Simbin. I want to thank Chris Daniels uh, for joining us earlier. Uh, Otto, a lot to chew on from that interview. What did you think? Um, I, th- I think the, the, the two big standout point for me was one uh that the uh, that they found that Occidental wasn't a major concern and that there it would be just a, a minor issue um whereas the, the port and and the mariners were talking about how the Occidental was gonna be a major issue and it's not gonna be an issue. I think the other point that Chris raised was that uh, key, the two key arena sites that the FBIS looked at um, were, were completely uh, non-issue, like non-issue in regards to could not work because of the traffic situation, and not only the traffic situation. So, you know, the footprint at Key Arena, where where it would it would just be extremely difficult to create a new footprint for an NHL-sized arena there. So, um, those were the two the two biggest points that. Um, that Chris raised, and then also the point about how the P- uh, POS, the uh, Port, of, Port of Seattle, 
how, how they were talking about POS how, is a good word. Uh, what's that? POS is a good word for them. POS, yeah. yeah. Uh, but how, how they, they felt that the, the, F, the FEIS didn't address the transportation needs when we find out, well, like five, six hundred pages of, of, of that uh, deals with freight, uh, freight traffic and, and transportation issues. So it's obvious that they had an agenda, you know, from, you know, from, from the first, you know, first moment when, you know, they said it doesn't even address their issues and they had, there's, there's no way they had time to read, you know, all 1600 pages. So that's, those are the things that kind of, you know, were key to me. Yeah. You know, I, I thought what he said about the Mariners was, uh, actually good. They, they at least, I mean, I, you and I both know that they're probably going to come out in opposition to this, but at least they're taking the time to read it before they do. So that's a point in their favor. Even if you're not going to read it, at least make it appear that you're taking time to read, you know what I'm saying? At least, don't just yeah. come out and say, like, we're against this. When you haven't even had a chance, it's not even human, humanly possible that you can read 1,500 pages of, you know, of text, you know, in, in, a, in a couple hours. So, come on now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so it's about time to bring this broadcast to an end. We're going about 15 minutes longer than normal, but that's fine by me because we had a lot to talk about. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I just want to encourage people. I just want to encourage people. This is – um, I, I know there's still a lot to do. I know we don't have a team secured yet. I know there's competition in Tukwila. I know people want to get the NHL first uh, modification done. And, you know, yeah. nothing nothing is certain at this point. But everyone, just take a breath and enjoy the good weather today and enjoy this moment because this is a major, major, major milestone for this project. Yeah. We've been waiting on this for two and a half years. This should have been here a year yeah. ago. And uh, right. it, it's finally here, and things are finally moving in the right direction. And we we don't know how it's going to go. We don't know if Soda's going to win. We don't know if Tequila's going to win. We don't know if Bellevue's going to win. We don't know if anyone's going to win. But at this yeah. moment, we have we have just surpassed a major milestone in the project. And people should just take a moment exactly. and enjoy this and, and celebrate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's, it's just a, a moment of clarity that now, you know, at least, in, you know, with Tequila – you know, what they're kind of on their steam engine train to where they want to go. And now Seattle, we, we're actually at a point in Seattle. And now we can be like, hey, now we've caught, gone past this point and, 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 and there are actionable steps and things that we can do to kind of, you know, to, to get to the end to the end game. So, like you said, you know, it's mm-hmm. great. I'm looking out my window right now. It's blue skies, you know, 70 degrees. I mean, have nice ice, ice cold beer or whatever beverage you want to drink and just, just, you know, chill out and have fun. And, and it's going to be a great, you know, next three or four months. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks for helping out again tonight. And uh, I know we're going to do it again next week. And, you know, what do you think the odds are that uh, a major story breaks between now and our next broadcast? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to say 50, 50. <laughs> 50-50. I, I would agree with that. All right. That brings us to the end of our broadcast tonight. I want to thank everyone for uh, for joining us once again. I hope you enjoy I hope you enjoy all these podcasts. Uh, I know Otto and I really enjoy it. Uh, but uh, I want to thank uh, t- uh, TSN 1040's Matt Baker for coming on earlier to join, to join us and talk about hockey, because we hardly ever get to do that the last few weeks. Uh, and I want to thank, once again, Chris Daniels. Uh, I 
this is the fourth or fifth time he's been on, been on. He's been so good and gracious to us to be to come on like this, often at the last minute. And he's just a, a golden. He, he's just gold for information for uh, the Sonics Rising community and the hockey community. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, I want everyone to, to enjoy uh, this moment. It's a major milestone. Uh, I'll see you next Tuesday. Have a great day, and I'll see you on the on the other side. Joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.